Chapter twenty six of the Young Woman's Guide to Excellence by William A. Alcott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Brea. Chapter twenty six Neatness and Cleanliness. After saying so much of the general importance of obeying the laws of life and health, it seems at first view almost unnecessary to go further into particulars than I have already done and yet i feel somewhat inclined to do so for two reasons first because i find several considerable errors in the advice given to young women in some of our young women's books in matters pertaining to their physical improvement which i should rejoice to be able to correct secondly because the inner work from me information of this kind will probably be expected and yet it seems quite commonplace to advise a young woman on the subject of cleanliness in general and still more so to speak to her on the subject of personal neatness a young woman wanting in neatness at the first view of the case such a thing seems almost impossible would that it were so would that our daughters and sisters the daughters and sisters of america especially were so far apprised of this indispensable requisite as to need no monitor on the subject but unhappily it is not so very far from it on the contrary no person in tolerable health male or female seems to me to be entitled to be considered as neat truly so who does not wash the surface of the whole body in water daily but are there not multitudes who pass for models of neatness and cleanliness who do not perform this work for themselves half a dozen times, nay, once a year? That I may not be regarded as wholly ultra on this subject, because professedly a strong friend and advocate of physical education and physical improvement, I beg leave to subjoin the following paragraphs from Mrs. Ferrer's Young Lady's Friend. Quote, once at least in twenty-four hours the whole surface of the body should be washed in soap and water and receive the friction of a coarse towel or flesh brush or crash mitten this may be done by warm or cold bathing by a plunging or shower bath by means of a common wash tub or even without further preparation than an ordinary wash bowl and sponge by washing a small part of the person at a time rubbing it well and then covering what is done the whole may be washed in cold water even in winter time and a glow may be produced after it in a young and healthy person it is common for persons who are in the habit of sponging all over with cold water every morning or of taking the shower or plunging bath to omit it when they have a slight cold or sore throat or a touch of rheumatism whereas if it were properly done so as to produce a glow all over the skin the habitual ablutions would be the best remedy for the beginnings of evil if not sure in such a case of producing a glow after the use of the cold water it will be better to use the warm in order to make the skin do its office freely but to cease your customary bathing at such times is to increase all your difficulties Many think it impossible to make this thorough washing when the weather is very cold, and that they must do it in rooms never warmed by a fire. But in healthy and vigorous persons the glow after washing would be so great as to more than compensate for the momentary chill. End quote. 
by washing the body in cold water every day and following it by friction according to the recommendation of mrs f you gain at once two important objects you secure to yourself the benefits of cleanliness and of a vast amount of exercise and consequent vigour i say a vast amount but this depends much on yourself you may make a great deal of it or only a little i know of one teacher who says his cold bath and friction are worth two hours of ordinary exercise to him every day but two hours of ordinary exercise a day is much more than the whole which is taken by some of our young women i have spoken of the vigour derived from cold bathing this is gained in two ways first directly by the action of the muscles or moving powers which i have partially described in the chapter on exercise secondly indirectly through the medium of sympathy i know of no one thing which costs so little time and effort for the work may be done after it has become natural and habitual in twelve or fifteen minutes which secures at the same time such an amount of exercise and bodily vigour as daily cold bathing the particular forms of bathing are numerous among these are the simple washing with the hands spoken of by mrs farrow sponging immersion in a tub or stream and the shower bath all these except of course washing in a stream may be done with cold tepid warm or hot water and may be continued for a greater or less time although in general the cold bath should be a quick operation let me now present the reader with a physiological explanation of the use and necessity of frequent ablution and bathing derived in substance from a little tract already before the public i use the language of the tract because i can use none which is better for my present purpose the dust accumulates on the surface of our bodies much more readily and adheres much more firmly and in much larger quantities than is usually supposed and then by many would be credited mr buckingham the oriental traveller asserts that from two to three pounds of it are sometimes removed from the whole surface of a person who has for some time neglected bathing and washing in the tropical climate and this under some circumstances may possibly have been the case for not only does the moisture of the skin favour its accumulation but so also does the oily substance continually poured out of the small bottle-shaped glands sebaceous glands as they are called which are found in the skin in great numbers with their mouths opening on its surface nothing indeed can be more obvious to an enlightened and reflecting mind than the indispensable necessity of frequent ablutions of the body in some form or other it will indeed be said it is often said that much depends in this respect upon the nature of our occupation the farmer the smith the manufacturer the individual in one word whose employment is most uncleanly will be thought to need frequent attentions of this kind while those whose employments are quiet and sedentary will need them less frequently but it should not be forgotten that although frequent bathing and cleansing are indispensable to those whose employments expose them to a great deal of dust yet they are scarcely less necessary to the sedentary and for the following reason the active nature of the employments of the former 
in their exposure to the open air break up the coating of oil and dirt with which they are enveloped and render it more pervious to the matter of perspiration than the thinner but not less tenacious varnish which covers the surface of the sedentary on the whole therefore i regard bathing and thorough cleansing of the skin as of nearly equal importance in all the varied circumstances of age sex climate and occupation we must not omit to observe that whatever changes take place in the lungs by the action of the air upon the blood in the small vessels of those organs to purify and renovate it take place all over the surface of the body that in this respect therefore the skin may be regarded as a sort of appendage to the lungs and that if the skin be varnished over with a mixture of oil and dust so that it cannot perform its office an unreasonable burden will be thrown upon the lungs which will thereby be weakened and predisposed to disease i have not a doubt that a universal neglect of cleanliness not only favours in this way the production of lung diseases especially of those colds which are so frequent in our climate and which often pave the way for others and still more dangerous diseases but also that it tends to aggravate such diseases of the lungs as may already exist or to whose existence there may be in us either by inheritance or otherwise a predisposition this temporary suspension of all the offices of the skin is however peculiarly dangerous to those who have a light complexion slender form with a long neck and narrow shoulders projecting almost like wings indicating a chest whose internal organs as well as external dimensions are comparatively small and feeble and therefore poorly prepared to do that work which belongs to other parts or organs let all persons beware of compelling the lungs to work for the skin but above all those who have the particular structure to which i have alluded it is hardly necessary that i should advert here the repugnance felt by our sex to those young women whose external appearance bespeaks a want of attention to this subject but it is necessary that i should allude to the indecency of that neglect by no means uncommon which renders the odour of the perspiration very disagreeable or increases its disagreeableness by means of the accumulations of grease and dirt on the skin they should also be reminded that there is somehow or other I know not how exactly, a very general connection between external and internal purity. It is exceedingly uncommon, I had almost said quite so, to find an individual who pays a daily close attention to neatness and cleanliness of person and dress, who does not at the same time possess a reputation which is not only above reproach, but also quite above suspicion. End of chapter 26